Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And no! I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even do that. Oh, oh, no. I didn't even notice. I was literally about to be like, and I'm Hannah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing chapters seven and eight of Prisoner of Azkaban. Today we're joined by a special guest, my friend Sarah, who adds lots of lovely insights. So grab a glass of wine and join us for this reminiscent journey. is a lovely, very special one because to make up for the fact that these chapters are really fucking boring. They're not that bad. I feel like things happen, none of which are particularly interesting or particularly like funny. Most of it is not funny. A lot of plot happens with not a lot of it's, funny. It's filler plot, which to be fair, even though like the later books get longer, there's less filler plot yeah, and I lot. miss the filler plot. <laughs> I do, I do. Um, anyway, we have a guest. We do. It is my current live-in flatmate and fellow Chris Slut and Harry Potter fan, Sarah. As opposed to the flatmates that don't live in? <laughs> I don't know. Current. Because she's at the moment here. It's Sarah, everyone. A current live-in flatmate. Yeah. Yeah, the current live-in that flatmate. that listens to Goblet of Wine. Um, do you want to explain who you are and how you came to be on this podcast? As Hannah says, I am a living flatmate. I am not in her garden. <laughs> a current, I meant to say lodger, my current lodger. Yeah. Um, unemployed, homeless. If anyone's got any jobs out there, awesome. <laughs> hey everyone, it's editing Hannah here. I just want to let you all know that since recording this episode, Sarah has not only got herself a flat to live in with two friends, but she's got herself a job, so you can all send your congratulations to Sarah on Twitter. So we asked you to come on this podcast after we all went to the Harry Potter pub quiz together. And yes, twice, twice. Twice. Sarah loves Harry Potter more than us, almost as much as us, and knows a lot more facts about it than Charlie. I love that. More than us, almost as much as us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have repeatedly said to Hannah that if I die... Sarah's the person that I want to take over. Yeah, you heard it here first, guys. Yeah, like I'm like don't 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 feel like you have to stop. Just she <laughs> she will be the new me. So if at some point she fully takes over, you know that either I have died or somehow pissed Hannah off more than usual. <laughs> yeah. So guys, be nice because I could be like the next sound engineer of this podcast. Sound engineer. Sound we Charlie's, don't have a sound engineer. Charlie's the one with the headphones on right now, so she just looks very official. Um, what are we drinking today? It's guest choice. Guest, what are we drinking? We are drinking white wine because there is no fucking way I'm going on a Harry Potter podcast called Goblet of Wine and not drinking wine. I later find out that Charlie doesn't like wine. <laughs> and therefore this is the first episode of Goblet of Wine where we're both drinking wine it's the first but definitely not, not the last. last how are you finding the wine today charlie as not as a non-wine drinker i'm not minding it the first maybe five to ten sips after every single one i was like because uh, the thing that i don't like about wine is after you swallow it and it's that oh burning sensation it's like my throat has chlamydia yeah you can and drink spirits well i don't really like shots throat has chlamydia <laughs> no but because chlamydia that's one where it pees it burns when you pee. It, it pees, pees when you burn. burn. 
<laughs> no, it burns when you pee, so I feel like this is throat chlamydia because it's burning when I drink. But now what do you think of it? Now you're a glass and a half down. It's not too bad because it tastes a lot like sparkling wine just without the sparkle. Correct. So, ladies and gents, chlamydia doesn't always have symptoms. Always go and catch up. The next segment of the guest segment is... Um, <laughs> Do, do you know Sarah's house? Stop touching me. Do you know Sarah's yes, Hogwarts house? No, I don't. Good, you have to guess it. Uh, Ravenclaw. Because she seems a bit like a cunt. I realise you guys can't see my face right now. I can take a picture of it. I mean, outraged is all I can say. No, you seem smart. Like a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> look, all I'm saying is, as we now know from something we will mention later, our Patreon Discord, a very small percentage of our audience are Ravenclaw. I feel like Ravenclaw is a very underrepresented. Represented, represented. Well, clearly you're not Ravenclaw because you just tried to say represented. Yeah. Uh, Apparently. Because they're cunts. Okay, so if you're not a Ravenclaw, which I'm guessing from your reaction. I'm not a Ravenclaw. I wish I was a Ravenclaw. Uh, Gryffindor. I'm not offended. It's more just I'm confused. I've met you twice when you're drunk. So three times now. I'm a bit of a hybrid house, unfortunately. Ew. I would if somebody like gun to my head, wand to my head. I should probably say, but yeah. you know, wand to my head, Avada Kedavra. I would say a Gryffindor. Okay. But if I was given the kind of opportunity to be myself, I'm definitely a Griffin Puff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, through yeah. and through. Never quite identified with Gryffindor, never quite identified with Hufflepuff, but also identified with them mm. both very much so. <laughs> anyway, we've got some thank yous to do. We do. Um, so first of all, we have a lot of new Patreons yeah. because we came up with a new thing. Yeah, if you join our Patreon at anything from $2 or above, you now can get added into our Patreon Discord, which if you don't know what Discord is, basically it's an app that kind of has chat rooms although the word chat room sounds well, like we're gonna follow you home and then it's it a, just a 40 year old it man it sounds and... a bit like 2008 i was gonna say it reminds me of the msn days yeah. yeah it sounds a bit like oh don't talk to strangers in that chat room do <laughs> do but, it's us only, we're the strangers yeah but also give us money in order to do that but two dollars a month is less than you spend on gum in a month <laughs> i don't know Whatever you, you spend $2 on a month, you could stop doing that and, and spend it on us. But genuinely, I mean, I know that we're going to sit here and be like, oh, um, so great. the Discord is amazing. No, it is. The it's, Discord is fucking it's hilarious. It's really cute. It's wild. It's active, like, the majority of the day. Just 24 hours a day, that Discord is active. Yeah, because there's time differences. It's a bit hard to keep up with. Um, everyone is making friends. People are kind of organising to meet and see each other's ballet, which is amazing. Ballet? Yes. What's a ballet? As in ballet she just said it weirdly yeah um yeah it's it's adorable and we started that and then suddenly we got an influx of new patrons because apparently it was a good idea so thank you to uh kincaid jessica hannah nine nina nine I, i'm really far away from the thing i thought i said nine <laughs> nina rebecca phoebe sindhu and cameron sorry that sounded weird when we were reading that it's because we're really far away from the screen yeah. Um, so thank you all for joining our Patreon. You're all amazing and you're helping support this podcast. Thank you very much. 
Um, and then we also have some reviews to shout out. So first of all, we have Listens Whilst Puzzling, who said that we give wonderful literary insight. Thank you very much. Not sure about that one, do we? Then we have Louisa Dutra, who has been listening nonstop since DrakeCon. Thank you. What? Why? And then we have, oh my God, I cannot read this from here. Worthy Lou? Yeah. Um, who says that it's like you're sitting in a lounge giggling along with us. That's cute. Then we have Emily May 99 who has both left us a review and followed us on Twitter. And at first I was really confused because I went to this school, went to school with this girl called Emily May and I like worried for a second it was her, but it wasn't. That was a really boring story. Anyway, she said she'd give us a 10 out of 10 would recommend. Thanks, Emily. And then a big thank you to AZR52. He said that we're good for a long commute. Thanks. Thanks. If you want your review read out, leave us a review on either Apple or Facebook and we will read it out. I think we're here to talk about some books. Some Harry Potter books, maybe? Chapter 7. The Bogart. No, I said that really weirdly. The Bogart. The Bogart. The Bogart. Anna just outposhed even herself. The Bogart. The Bogart in the wardrobe. The wardrobe. The bogart in the wardrobe. Bogart in the wardrobe. The in the wardrobe. I think the wine's really gone to our heads. We honestly haven't even had that much yet, though. Chapter 7. The Boggart in the Wardrobe. Uh, Malfoy shows back up to class halfway through potions with a swagger and some bandages around his arm. I and said that he was being a little bitch. Well, yeah, basically. <laughs> and he immediately starts to goad Harry and Ron about Hagrid, basically. And he straight up admits that his arm isn't injured. He's lying about it to get Hagrid fired. He actually admits that to Ron and Harry, which is weird. I don't know why he admits it. Yeah, I mean, as someone that frequently lies for attention, I relate. My issue with that though is that surely when like he got carried off to Madame Pomfrey and all of that, surely she saw, oh, you're not injured, I'm not going to treat you. So did he put like the bandage and the sling on himself? No, I think he just or... lied to Madame Pomfrey and was like, oh, I'm still in pain. Like, and is pain real if someone's saying it? She's yeah. got to do something. I like to think that he was just like in the hallway, like repeatedly like thwacking his arm <laughs> against the wall. Just like, yeah. break, break, break. break. Me, me as a toddler trying to get my older sister in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you like bite yourself to be like, mom, look what she did. I yeah. did want to do that in school to a friend. I bit myself really hard. Oh. <laughs> You guys are weird. I never did that because my sister actually would hurt me. Oh, no. <laughs> like one time, did either of you two have those um, swing ball sets where you had yes, the, yes. Um, the bats that was like at least three inches, maybe four of like that solid plastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And solid it was plastic. thick. Yeah. Thick. So we have a running joke in my family that I had the world's hardest head because one time my sister hit me around the head with one of those like three, four inches of solid plastic swing ball bats and the bat broke in half. <laughs> Can I try it? No. There's also a dent in my sister's wall from where she pushed me over and the wall just had a massive dent because my (laughs) head is that hard. So anyway. Anyway. (laughs) So there Malfoy is repeatedly whacking his arm against the wall trying to break it. (laughs) So that Madame Proctor will give him a fucking bandage. Yeah. She doesn't need a bandage. None of them need bandages in this world. Well, this is my thing. He comes in with a, it's not even a bandage, it's a sling I think it says. Maybe he just had it. He's just in his suitcase. I honestly think he's attention-seeking to the point where he's wrapped his own arm up in a sling. Yeah. Just it's just like several attention. socks tied together. <laughs> like, they don't know what a sling looks like. 
And a few muggle-borns are like, that's not a sling. Yeah, that's a sock. That's a big sock. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Then Malfoy starts to goad Harry about Black, and it turns out that Malfoy already knows about what allegedly Black did to Harry's parents, which to me is really weird, because Sirius was never a Death Eater, right? Yes. Yes. So why would Mr. Malfoy... Like, Mr. Malfoy would know that Sirius was never a Death Eater, because Mr. Malfoy was a Death Eater. So why would he know this story that Sirius is the one to betray Harry's parents if Sirius never did that? Wouldn't Mr Malfoy know that it was Pettigrew all along? We're in book three. Yeah. Does Malfoy yet know that Lucius is a Death Eater? Or is it is Lucius like keeping that from him for now? But and why... if so, going with the status quo and telling, Mal- telling Malfoy like the... what everybody else says happens. And do the... Death Eaters know? Because I feel like there is like layers of information within the Death Eaters. Yeah, I mean, it's mentioned at some point in the books that even the Death Eaters didn't know who each other were, but then I kind of feel like that's shat upon in book like four, when they all come back and he's ripping off their mask, like, look Malfoy! And I'm like, well, now you all know who each other are. And and I feel like you would know who like your fellow racists are. (laughs) But also... Especially if you imprint them with a fucking symbol on their arm. Yeah, but it's not until the end of this book that Peter Pescrow, like, changes himself from Scabbers back to human form for the first time in 12 years, whatever yeah. it was. So maybe Lucius actually doesn't know. He actually thinks this is the real story. Maybe. Because ever since that happened, Peter Pescrow's been Scabbers. Yeah, so he actually does think he's dead. So even if yeah. he thinks, oh, maybe it was Pettigrew that betrayed them, he's dead now, so Sirius was in on it as well. Yeah. Or actually just believes that... Yeah, it just made me question why, like, Mr. Malfoy had told him this when... Like, basically, I wondered whether Malfoy believes that Sirius is a Death Eater or not. I guess, like, if they don't know... And even if they don't know, I would I would think that the whole, like, taking out the Potters is, like, a very, like, high-level operation. Yeah. Like, not everyone is going to know the full ins and outs of it. Because if they did, then if there were any spies within the Death Eaters... Then it would get out. Yeah, of yeah. course. So also, Sirius I... doesn't have to be a Death Eater to have betrayed yeah, the Potters. No, yeah. no, of course. Like, like the story in the press is all like that Sirius was Voldemort's right-hand man, but I suppose that Malfoy could have believed that even if he wasn't a right-hand man branded Death Eater, he could have betrayed the Potters. Or potentially yeah. that he was a right-hand man and the rest of the Death Eaters didn't, didn't know, know about it. Yeah. Okay. It just made me... I just wanted to bring it up. No, I see what you mean. I'm... Yeah. yeah. So then we go back to the potions lesson and Snape is just fully ready to poison Neville's toad, Trevor. <laughs> he's fully... So, like, he's like, oh, Neville, you've made your potion wrong. Um, we'll test whether it's wrong and if it is wrong, it'll kill your toad. See, if Peter Pettigrew had just become a toad called Trevor yeah. for the last 12 years instead of a rat called Scabbers, this whole book could have been solved very easily. Yeah, he could have actually died moment. by poison. Well, yeah. I wonder if Snape's so mean. Whilst Trevor was, like, dying of this accidental poison, he would have given him an antidote or would he have actually have watched a child's toad die in front of him? Like, how deep does this evil go? Do bazaars work on toads? I assume. I don't know. But, like, what if it, like made it become a tadpole but then also killed it how are you gonna get a bazaar into like a tadpole <laughs> like, oh no do you like when you're getting like a little child to eat like mushrooms and vegetables you just like blend it blend up blend it up <laughs> shove it in <laughs> it's a tadpole though i mean i assume snape would have just watched it die yeah i think so but like i really don't get how you can be bad at potions though it's literally following instructions yeah but some of the instructions are really complicated 
But it's it, people are bad at cooking. I know, and I don't understand that either because it's follow instructions. It's like, are you telling me you're a gourmet chef? No, <laughs> because I don't have the money. But like, I don't know. Like when it's like, oh, like put one spleen in, and he's put two spleens in. <laughs> like, just, just. There's no excuse for that. I mean, every like Harry Potter kind of quiz, BuzzFeed quiz, whatever. It's like, oh, find out what type of cheese you are by doing this Harry Potter quiz, whatever. And they say, what would be your favorite or best subject? I always put potions. Yeah, I love the idea of it. I like cooking. I like baking. Yeah, I don't cook or bake, but I like it. Um, you like the yeah. idea of it? There's I a cake like... in our kitchen that you baked. There is. I, I'm with you. I don't understand when it says one spleen. Why'd you put in two? Exactly. And like, I understand that a lot of it is because Snape like makes people nervous mm. but also just don't just just follow the fucking board misreading like, a oh. teaspoon is a tablespoon in like a baking recipe okay misreading one spleen is two as neville does i mean yeah that i mean it's some of the instructions that sound confusing are like when it's like stir 13 times anti-clockwise and then one time clockwise yeah. whilst the heat is descending from 100 to 50 degrees but, is a bit like oh god yeah but you also feel like a spleen is like not a pleasant thing to have to like <laughs> handle why would you be like yeah i'm gonna do this twice twice two spleens do you think there's like lab technicians at Hogwarts that remove the spleens from these rats. I think, like, they have to do it themselves. I think it's the people in detention. Ah. <laughs> remove those spleen, spleens. You're on spleen removal. So then at the end of the lesson, luckily Trevor doesn't die. They all get let out and then Hermione appears. Ah, he does get to relive his youth though. As a tadpole. <laughs> what did I miss? So in the potions lesson, Seamus says that Sirius Black has been sighted. Oh, sighted nearby. Near Hogwarts. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So then they all leave the lesson. <laughs> Quite and... a crucial part. Well, yeah, I guess. Building the plot. The actual plot of this book. Yeah. So then they're all walking up the stairs and they think Hermione's right behind them. They turn around, she's disappeared. And then okay. she appears at the bottom of the stairs. And the only person bothered by this is Ron. And this is the beginning of the bit in the whole books where Ron's like, where's Hermione? Why is she late? Why has she got so many books? How is she getting to all her lessons on time? And Harry's just like, so unbothered by the whole thing. Something that might be really irrelevant here, but when I was rereading these chapters and realized it's within that kind of like few sentences and Hermione's gone just after the lesson and then she reappears. It's, it's like, I think it's Harry turned around to see where Hermione was and I don't know if that was an intentional play on words with the time turner all of that but it just really struck me I was like I don't know I don't know if she meant to do this but if she did that's really clever and if she didn't that's a great coincidence so either way I'm happy that Harry turned around to see where Hermione had gone so then next they have Lupin's lesson and yeah I love him. You love him. I love him. Um, on the way, th- so Lupin's like, get up! We're having a practical lesson. And they run into Peeves on the way to the staff room and Lupin teaches them this cool spell with the chewing gum flying up his nose. Okay, I have issues with this spell. Okay. What do you want to What do you want And my thing is, is, okay, so this spell takes chewing gum yes. out of a keyhole and into a poltergeist nose. Yes. That's really fucking specific. Thank you. Is there a spell for absolutely everything? Because surely there isn't, because there'd be a lot of times in the Harry Potter universe where specific spells spells are useful. But is there a spell for taking chewing gum and putting it up someone's nose? 
Or is it a different spell? Is he actually used a spell that transports yeah. small objects like, and can control it? Or yeah, just, maybe he's pointing his one. Like maybe he's just like shooting the thing mm. and he's pointed it to the nostril. Well, but what if it was like reversing something, but then that would imply that yeah. the gun was originally from his nose? Yeah. And like, waddy wazzy, waddy, you think of a wad of something. So I assume it's quite specific to like a wad of chewing gum or something yeah. like that. But if that is a spell, can mm. we not assume that there are thousands upon thousands of spells that do very specific things? And like, why would he know that? Yeah. But also like a lot of the, like most of the spells come from like Latin or something. And then this one is just like silly word. I mean, like... I think, I think like we learn in book six that some spells, well, spells have to be made up at some point and they can still be made up. And like, I assume that this isn't like an ancient spell. It's a spell the kids have made up. One from the Marauders or something. Yeah, one from that the Marauders themselves have made up. And that's why it's a silly word. And that's why he knows it. Because it's just a spell that someone more recently has invented. The same way that Snape invents spells, we learn, when he was in school. And like that, so there can be hundreds of spells. Because spells, (laughs) spells aren't something where it's like, exactly one thing does this one thing although it feels like that it's just like what power of word and movement is causes the best outcome i think that was the thing with this one that struck me is there's so many spells that have so many kind of different uses like like most simple ones accio and guardian yeah, yeah. that have very like widespread uses and then this one is like gum this up one nose. is literally gum up nose out of keyhole yeah, like, <laughs> it's like, at what point did he learn that? And then has yeah. he just been waiting, like, 20 years, like, really now is my chance. Now, it, here now. it is. <laughs> it's time, and I get to do it in front of all these people. Finally. <laughs> and then, if that really was the case, surely you would then instantly forget it. You'd be like, oh, fuck, finally, I can use it, and now I can't remember it. Bogart, they go into the staff room, Bog- and Bogart. Snape's there. Sorry. Bogart. <laughs> Snape's there and immediately embarrasses Neville in front of everyone, including the teacher, which is just hateful. Snape is so hateful in this chapter. He's like doubling down on the hateful. I honestly don't understand, though, why nobody went to Dumbledore and would be like, Snape's bullying a third year. It's because, and we've covered this, Dumbledore, just the worst headmaster. Just just, doesn't care. Just not, not good. Um, He more cares about the, he more cares about the greater good, though, of Snape's like, role in the whole fucking war than the fact that Snape is bullying pupils. Just because Snape redeems himself in the last three lines of his existence doesn't does not make, make him, him a good, a good person. person. He's a terror especially this book. This book he's the worst. Although I would argue that like Dumbledore has to keep Snape around and Snape knows this. So even if Dumbledore was like, hey Snape, would you mind like not terrorizing the students? Snape would be like, no. Are you gonna do anything about it? And Dumbledore would be like Good point. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then we learn that there's a bogart in the wardrobe, <laughs> and um, I I decided to Google it um, because I wanted to know whether J.K. Rowling had invented a bogart, which I didn't believe she had. Um, a bogart already existed in British folklore, but it was just basically a word used for an evil spirit that haunts your house. So it's the kind of thing that would like turn the milk sour, would crawl into your bed at night and like pull your hair and tug your ears. Oh, <laughs> no, creepy. Um, it would make your dog well, like go mental. <laughs> Ew. It would make your dog go mental. Pull my ears. Make my dog go mental. <laughs> <laughs> so kinky. It's my favorite. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, J.K. Rowling basically took the word and the fact it was like an evil spirit and turned it completely into her own creation. So her version of the bugger is it turns into whatever the person standing in front of it fears the most. Which, when you think about it, it's really scary. Like, how does it see inside your head? Okay, so I have a lot to say about this. I have a lot to say. Yes, do tell. So the bogger is supposed to represent your worst fear. Correct. Neville says his worst fear is Professor Professor Snape, which is fucking horrifying. Yeah, we'll get to that. One is horrifying, and two, I have to just speculate, is probably not true, seeing as Bellatrix tortured the shit out of his parents and they're now in St. Mungo. That's literally how horrible Snape is, that Neville has been through some shit in his life, and Snape is still his worst fear. Okay, so even if we take that as gospel, that actually Snape is his worst fear, does the Boggart know your real fear, or does it just take the form of the one that you're thinking about? Because later, Harry has this inner thought about, hmm, really fucking scared of Voldemort, but also, oh, the Dementors are pretty scary. Yeah. And it takes the form of the Dementors. So can you technically... Does it go off what you're innately Mm. feared of, or fearing... Or can you actually choose? And if so, you could choose something that you're actually not scared of. I mean, I could just. I mean, like, I don't think it works with that because it. later on. See, I was thinking this because I wrote down that all the kids have really, like, kind of weird fears. Like, they're all basically I mean, creatures. Dean's like, severed. Dean's is a severed hand, and then someone's a mummy, and someone's a Why spider. Are you scared of a severed hand. Ah. Also, like, that's not something you're going to have to face in life. Also, Pavati, after she's said ridiculous, and the mummy, the description of it is like unravels and is crawling on the floor, and then its head falls off. That is more terrifying to me than just a regular bandaged up mummy. Yeah. And that's her ridiculous, oh, this is funny. This is like, funny. No, I'm terrified still. But yeah, like, later on in the books, we get some more, like, abject fears. So, like, at the end of this book, we found out Hermione's fear in the moment where she's taking the test is Professor McGonagall telling her she's failed all the tests. Molly's fear in book five is seeing all her family dead. So I don't think there is a workaround where you can be like, I'm scared of this. But I think it shows that we're looking at children, not adults, where all their fears are very, like... I'm scared of this thing. It's just a thing. Whereas like complex fear, and then I wrote down like, how would you even get a complex fear into a bogger? So I literally know, how would you get a fear of heights, like an actual phobia of heights into a bogger? Yeah. How would you, what if your biggest fear in the world was heights? That's all you're scared of. How would you get a yeah. bogger to do your fear of heights? What would your bogger be? Mice. Tons of mice. I fucking hate you mice. You grew up in the countryside with cats. I hate mice. They're the most scary thing ever. I cry every time I, I see mice. one. That or like, I know, but like, okay, so that's my fear of a thing, but you can't exactly put like, my fear of dementia into a bogger, can you? There should be kind of a- How do you think I'm into a bogger? You the bogger being like, how do you know me? No, that's upsetting. Okay, no, See, that's upsetting. I mean, a kind of a next level upgrade of a bogger would be the ones that can kind of make you feel things. So a bogger that could take you over and make you forget things for the time that it's around and then you can say ridiculous and it's all, yeah. good. It's all good. Not if you forgot the spell. Whoa. <laughs> Why, what would your boggart be? Fucking paradox. What would yours be? Mine. That's a deep question. I mean, I, again, kind of like Hannah, I've got the physical boggart. Mm. It would turn into an absolutely massive... Mathive. Mathive. <laughs> this is 
is so much wine I've had to drink. <laughs> a massive python or something like that. Like okay. one of those really fat snakes. ones. I like coils snakes. around. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Not for you. No. Not at all. But also, you can get into like the really deep and dark, like... I don't want my family to die and that might yeah. be really distressing. But also, I mean, I guess that's kind of what Molly's is, yeah. Molly Weasley. Um, I have to say, though, with Hermione, and like you say later in the book, and her bogger in her exam is McGonagall telling her that she's failed an exam. I feel like we've been led up with Hermione and her character development, even by the third book, to believe that she's a much more complex character than that. Well, also, I feel like this chapter teases that because it literally ends on her going, I wish I'd had the chance to fight the bogger, and Ron going, why, what would yours be? A piece of paper with only exactly. nine out of ten. And the chapter ends on that, which is like a cliffhanger. I was almost yeah. like reading it like, ooh, at some point in this book, we're going to find out Hermione's worst yeah. fear because Hermione is more complex than some of the other characters. So I never imagined her to be like, a mummy or a this. Also, and it's like her best friend in the entire world is being hunted by a alleged serial killer. Yet her worst fear is failing an exam. Yeah, that's Hermione. I mean, you're a dick. I mean, if you <laughs> yeah. think, okay, so maybe, maybe if we try to go deeper into it, maybe it's McGonagall telling her she's failed all her exams, and maybe Hermione's fear is because she's Muggle-born. If she fails all her exams, she has to go. Back. She has to go back to the Muggle world, oh, and fair. I imagine Hermione's greatest fear is going back to the Muggle world. Because yeah. she's finally been able to find somewhere she thrives in the wizarding world. Yet she's still very much put down in the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Not only for being muggle-born, but also for her intelligence. For being clever, yeah. Snape, so. again, is a bully to Mahamani yeah. for being intelligent. Yeah. Did I ask you, Miss Granger? I told you not to help him, Miss Granger. Stuff like that. Yeah. So actually she hasn't found her place. Yeah, that's true. She's actually just as... But how does a bugger turn into these more abject exactly. fears? Like, it's just... It just left me wondering how, how a bugger could do that. Is it yeah. Seamus that's the random eyeball? The, yeah, there's a single bloody eyeball. I'm like, you're really scared of eyeballs? <laughs> I'm like, death, cancer. Yeah. No, 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 an eyeball. eyeball. <laughs> What's your... What would your bugger turn into? Physical thing would be a spider. Uh-huh. Like Ron's, yeah, like a really like, big one. Mm, yeah, that's, oh, I just don't like the way that they move. Um, kind of more wish-washy thing would be Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll get to see that on Halloween! No. Yay! Also, another interesting question. Having your physical bogger, so using the ones that you said like as a physical thing. Mice. How would you ridiculous them? I've thought about this my whole life. I don't know how to make mice funny. Well... They're not funny. They're, They're blind mice. Make them like the, the ones from Shrek. I was just thinking that. Where they like bash into the cheese? Yeah. Yeah. Or like get them to like play like a little banjo or something. Yeah. Oh, maybe they could all stand up and play a tiny banjo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. They could do a little dance like the Macarena. Yeah, the Macarena. The Macarena? <laughs> okay, how would you turn your snake funny? See, I don't know. That's the problem. I hate them so much. You could turn it into Loads a big feather boa. Cover it in lube. No, no, so it's wrapped around you, <laughs> squeezing you to death, and then suddenly it's a sexy feather boa. No, or but it's wrapped around still... you, mm. squeezing you to death, but it can't because it's fucking covered in lube and it just keeps slipping off. Honestly, Charlie, that's more terrifying than <laughs> just being a snake. But it's like trying to get somewhere and it can't because it's just covered in lube. Yeah. More How terrifying. Do you turn yours funny then? Well, sure as fuck, not by removing its legs. I was like, going to say, 
Did you ever have like the kid in the playground in like primary school that would take oh, the legs no. off Daddy Long Legs oh, and just so watch them struggle? Oh, it was me. honestly that again more hideous than actually just a Daddy yeah. Long Legs. And even in the film when they put it on fucking roller skates, no, no not worse. funny. It's worse. not funny now. Like, these spiders will run away from you if it's on roller skates. <laughs> it will accidentally come towards you. <laughs> like horrifying. <laughs> Maybe you can make your son up and play the banjo. And then I'll come That's mine still quite scary. <laughs> <laughs> Not for everything in lube. That's what I do in my personal life. Oh, that makes your sense. whole life is just a massive slip and slide. So I want to just go back to quickly, well I suppose we talked about it, basically how shitty it is that Neville's worse here in the world as a teacher. Like, if we want to talk about, like, a thing versus, you know, something abject, Neville's kind of falls between the two. It's both the yeah. thing, but it's something more abject. Like, it's a real teacher. Something that teacher. Snape makes him feel. Yeah, it's something that Snape makes him feel. But a school is an environment where you are meant, I know it doesn't happen very often, but you are meant to feel safe and cared for. At the very least, you're meant to feel like, you know, it's not, you're not going to die of being bullied. I mean, Hogwarts is supposed to be the safest place, place on earth. Yeah, and... Neville has had a tough life and his worst fear is still Snape. And also, at this point, Lupin knows this! Like, somebody shut Snape down! Yeah, surely he'd be like, this This seems a bit wrong that this kid's just told me that this other teacher... Yeah! Also, seeing as... Massive spoiler, but Snape was actually never really on Voldemort's side and Neville's parents got tortured by Bellatrix the Strange. Snape Mm. knows this, all of this, Yet he still is like, you know what, Bellatrix, she's a bit of a homie, let's just bully him anyway. No, do you know why he bullied Neville? No. Well, basically, well, (gasps) I know I do, yeah. Because it could have been either Neville or Harry, Harry. and Snape is so pissed off that it was Harry, rather than Neville, whereas Lily wouldn't have died if he'd picked Neville. Yeah. That he's fucking bullies Neville, which is so stupid! But there's also some debate that Neville actually got like the worst hand oh he did in the situation that his parents are actually still alive yeah and alive don't recognize him but he doesn't have the fame or the support system that harry yeah, does not at all and i'm sure like if you were neville you'd be like well great Voldemort's not hunting me awesome but also he did def- like he definitely wasn't better off from the situation no and so Neville has, Snape is such a dick and Neville still carries the same amount of anger Harry does at Voldemort's <laughs> entire reign like and that's the reason why Neville is symbolic at the end for like finishing one part of Voldemort is because he has as much reason to hate Voldemort yeah. as Harry does yeah we'll get into that in the last book um so but then I won't be here <laughs> you could be um so then Bogart Snape is forced <laughs> into Neville's grandmother's clothes and I really hope at the time J.K. Rowling wrote this, it was funny. It was meant to be funny because it's Snape in Neville's grandmother's clothes, not just because cross-dressing is funny to no, J.K. That's Rowling. That's still that it's like, oh, ha-ha, he's yeah. in his clothes. I mean, it's different when, like, a person you hate is just forced into something silly. That is just funny, no matter whether it's women's or men's clothes. You're like, oh, I hate that person. But knowing J.K. Rowling's past history and stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah. no. Is it because cross-dressing's funny to J.K. Rowling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, so Lupin stops Harry fighting the Bogart. 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 And the chapter ends. That's pretty much, yeah. The the chapter ends with, like, not knowing Hermione's Bogart, which I felt was a cliffhanger that yeah. we will never know the answer to. Well, we did. What do you, well, what do you think Hermione's Bogart is? Not an exam time, then. You're wearing a ginger. Oh my god, I don't know. What would Hermione's be? I mean, I feel like she's such a caring and compassionate person. I feel like at this point in the franchise, Sirius Black would have to come up. 
Mm. Like, or something like that. Like, she's so worried for Harry's safety. Mm. So much of the time. Yeah. Or in book one, I would argue that it would be um, having no friends. Yeah, having no friends. I think in book one it would be having no friends. Chapter eight, The Flight of the Fat Lady. So we have a huge recap on which lessons Harry likes and doesn't like currently. And then we get a bit of an insight into Quidditch with Oliver Wood. (laughs) The love of our life. He is the love of my life. Our life. I love him too. I loved him first. So anyway, we get a kind of recap that Wood really wants to win the well, the Quidditch Cup this year because he the hasn't world. won. And well the World Cup. He wants to win that too. And it made me realise that the whole time Wood's captain, he doesn't try out the team again. Like he no. doesn't make the existing members try out to see if there's anyone better. Whereas every single year that Harry was captain. Well Harry was only captain once, but Angelina Johnson Oh yeah, but Harry has to try out in Harry tried Yeah, Harry has when to try is captain. Fear. Because Yeah, and then he makes everyone try out Again in yeah. Anyway, Woods just really passionate about the team he's got and doesn't want to swap them out, which is fair and enough. Hannah's just really passionate about Woods. So. I'm just really passionate about Wood, and the team is iconic, so I don't care. The first Hogsmeade <laughs> visit is set for Halloween. Then it switches to the trio being by the fireplace doing homework, which is always my favourite part of the books. It just seems cozy. It does seem mm. so cozy. Like if I could pick one bit of Hogwarts to go, like drop myself into, just for like if I had an hour. One I'd my, go to the common room. One of my favourites is... It might be later in this book where Ron and Harry have to do their dream diary. Oh, and they're and just, they just making make shit up. up. Stuff. They're sitting by the fire for hours making stuff up for, like, their dream diary. I love that scene. Like, yeah. Yeah. And think, some people get paid to do that. The people that run the astrology apps. <laughs> <laughs> that is some people's real jobs. Anyway, so then Crookshanks attacks Scabbers. No! And then Harry decides that he's going to ask McGonagall if he can go to Hogsmeade anyway. Also, Hermione's a bit of a dick about Crookshanks. Yeah. She, like, insists that Crookshank isn't wrong and that he doesn't know what's best, which is, like, true, because it's a cat, but also Hermione's being really insensitive to Scabbers' needs in this yeah. situation. And I'm just like, Hermione, I know you love your pet and we all love our pets, but this is the book where Hermione's really, like... Mm, Hermione, could you maybe like be a bit more, you know, compassionate about she some stuff? Is also not that this is an excuse, but maybe a reason taking about eight or nine classes a day. Well, yeah, she's fucking knackered. She's knackered. But something that I have a real problem with that happens just before this scene, or kind of during the scene, and then comes up again in like literally a few paragraphs time, mm. is Hermione's talking to Harry about the fact that he can't go to Hogsmeade, right? Because Sirius Black is on the loose. Yep. And that's the reason that he can't go to Hogsmeade. He then goes to Professor McGonagall, being like, please, can I go? And she's like, no, your aunt and uncle didn't sign your form. So can he not go because of Sirius Black, or can he not go because of the form? Basically both. So his form was never signed, which is a really good reason for Professor McGonagall to say he couldn't go. But if his form was signed, I think Professor McGonagall would pull him aside and be like, by the way, you can't go. Or if you go, you have to have a teacher with you the entire time. My wondering is, is actually, have the Dursleys been told you can't sign Harry's form? No, I don't feel like the teacher's I... that much of a dickhead about it. They just tell him he couldn't go. Because yeah. Dumbledore obviously was in touch with the Dursleys when Harry was dropped off there when he was like mm. okay. 18 months old, like whatever. Two things. 
So one, I feel like if Dumbledore was like, maybe I should ask the Dursleys to say no, he'd be like, nah, waste of time. They'll say no anyway. <laughs> then they'll dicks. sign it because they're going against what I want. <laughs> Two, later on in the books when Dumbledore does send a letter to Durs to Petunia, he references my last. He's yeah. Like, my oh, last communication. Yeah. So that so, is the last communication. Right. I just think that the teachers and like everyone from Fudge to the teachers just find it really convenient excuse that the Dursley didn't sign so it. it's actually I, just like a lucky coincidence. Yeah, because I feel like because I feel like if Black wasn't back, like McGonagall could go to Dumbledore and be like, look, we know this kid's parents are dickheads. <laughs> could we maybe get this form signed? And Dumbledore right. would be like, yeah, whatever, it's Harry. Um, <laughs> so I think there's just like a lucky excuse right, yeah. kind of thing that, yeah. yeah, he would have to, if his form did get signed, he would have to just have like a chaperone, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So anyway, how so the asthma is- kid. Uh, sorry, I just... Well, <laughs> before Transfiguration... It's like the asthma kid on school trips. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Um, before yeah. Transfiguration, though, Lavender Brown is crying. Um, oh, it's Because yeah. her rabbit's been killed and she's just got the letter. Binky! Binky, the rabbit's been killed. And Lavender states that Trelawney's prediction that the thing she is dreading the most will happen on the 16th of October... And Hermione, in possibly her worst moment in all the books, decides this would be a really great time to prove her point about Trelawney, which I'm like, yeah, Hermione, you are right about Trelawney. We all know you're right, but you're being so insensitive in this moment. I love it. I think it's brilliant. Her just died. I don't care. Hermione is completely on the ball, like completely there. She is, but it is really insensitive. But also we have to remember, she is 13. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it as a good thing because in the films, all of this stuff that Hermione does that's like slightly not right gets bulldozed out so that Hermione can be the perfect person. And the reason why I love Hermione so much is we are, we're allowed to see these moments where she kind of doesn't get it quite right. And even yeah. though we know she's right about something, she's going yeah. about it in the completely way. the wrong way. And it just allows us to understand her as a character more because like, I know at 13... I might have done the same thing mm. and just bulldozed the point I was trying to get without thinking about yeah. who I was upsetting. So, like, I really like that it's in here and it just annoys me that things like the film cut this kind of thing out, which allows us to also see Hermione grow by book mm. seven where she wouldn't have made this decision. Well, I also yeah. think if this was something that had been included in the films, you'd have seen a massive group of Gryffindors standing behind her, nodding and agreeing. Whereas in the book, we don't get that kind of... Mm like, affirmation that actually people agree with what Hermione's saying. Well, it It pretty much says that everyone's disagreeing with her. But it leaves it up to you to be, like, actually, whose side would I be on? Yeah. And I'm completely on Hermione's side. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm on her side about Trelawney. I just think that her saying this in front of Lavender when she's just got the news that her pet is died is fucking insensitive. And I also feel like it's a really understandable reaction. Like, if you've been essentially told that something bad is going to happen on a certain date, you get to that date and nothing bad happens, you're going to be freaked out. Yeah, of course you are. at the age of 13. Yeah, that's a fucking scary thing to happen. And like, yeah, her mind is like, let's apply logic to the situation. I'm like, I'm not going to apply logic when my pet's just died. I'm just going to be really sad. Like, maybe the next day I'll be like, hmm, wait, Binky didn't die this day, but right now Lavender's just sad. I think that's also something, like, obviously what your podcast is about is coming back to the book. Yes. Like, once you're a bit older and a bit more mature. So reading it now, and I'm like, oh, I'm completely on Hermione's side. Actually, if I was 13, my rabbit just died. I mean, I had rabbits. They probably died when I was about 13. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you very much. I appreciate (laughs) the, the, the sentiment. Like, at 13, I'd have probably been like, 
yeah, why don't you bitch? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Whereas now, like, in my 20s, I'm like, Hermione's right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just love that her nuanced character because like so many people give Ron stick for making all the mistakes he makes in the books and people just forget the mistakes Hermione makes and she makes worse ones down the line. She does such like eloquence. Yes. Like. And she does, she's just like, I'm right. And then you're like, okay. And I'm like, um. <laughs> so I just love that these moments are yeah. written in for her. So, yeah. but yeah, she's a dickhead. Mm-hmm. So Harry is left alone while everyone goes to Hogsmeade. Um, so on his, yeah. On his way to the library, he ends up talking to Lupin. Um, whilst he's talking to Lupin and Lupin's explaining that no, he didn't stop him tackling the boggart because he thought that he Bogart. was a big wimp. Um, but that <laughs> because he thought that it would turn into Voldemort, which, you, you know, know. understandable that Lupin's like, I'm gonna jump in front of this because I don't think yeah. the class want to yeah, see Voldemort. Really reasonable. And I think it like, like poses a really interesting question. Like if it had turned into Voldemort, because you're like, well, that's bad. He could literally start, like, Avada Kedavraing. Like, no, everyone. a Bulbuk can't Avada well, Kedavra. Yeah, but a Dementor made Harry pass out. Oh. A Bogot Dementor. What yeah. could Voldemort do? Surely a Bogot can't cast what? a spell because it doesn't have a wand. True. But, yeah, but, you know, what would have happened? And then, because obviously it could have been really bad and it could essentially be, like, Voldemort coming back, but then all it takes is someone else to stand in front of it. So Lupin and Harry are chatting about that and it's really nice because it's our first like one-on-one moment with them where this kind of like personal relationship and friendship starts Can to I just add a very trivial point in that I feel yeah. like yes. Hannah would very much appreciate with her tea drinking habits yes. is in the very beginning of like this little Lupin-Harry meeting, Lupin's like, do you want tea? And then the like description is like, Lupin taps the kettle and, and it boils immediately. I'm like, and wow. Like, they have tea in about two seconds and I was reading it again and I was like, Hannah would love that. <laughs> Although I quite like the kettle boiling time because it just allows me time to, you know, check my phone, do something. Yeah, but also if you ha- could have instant tea. That would be would great. Would you really choose to boil the kettle? I guess not. I just like the, t- yeah. And then he's like, oh, I've only got tea bags. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. You're probably sick of tea leaves. No, it's like, way. you're fucking right. If it yeah. turns into the blubbing grim again, I'm gone. I'm done. <laughs> I'm yeah. done with this. So whilst they're chatting, Snape brings Lupin a potion. Um, Smoking potion. A goblet of potion. Oh, yeah. Um, and Harry is really worried that Snape is going to try and poison Lupin. <laughs> and he tries to give these, like, not subtle hints. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it just proves that Harry is such a fucking drama queen. And, like, this really gets too involved in shit. Like, anyone else would just be like, okay, well, this is irrational. And even if it isn't irrational, like, I'm going to trust It's it, not know. my business. I'm and sure like, Lupin knows what he's doing. And if Snape is just going to brazenly just poison someone, as if that wouldn't get traced back to him. Like, it is so fucking illogical. Harry, but Harry isn't even like, I think that's poison. He's like, you know, Snape's always wanted the defense to get to Dark Arts Shop. And then he's like... Some people say he'd do anything. anything. I'm like, Harry! It was like afterwards as well. Hermione's like, why did he drink it? And Hermione's supposed to be the logical, intelligent one here. Yeah. And this is probably like... They all just uh, just suspect Snape for everything. I mean, this is pretty Hermione's like second hint to Lupin's real identity. Because obviously his boggart turns into an orb in quotation Yeah. Because then Lavender Brown's like, why did it turn into like a crystal ball? It's like, yeah, no, but like that was like Hermione's first hint. But then again, she's like, Why did he drink it? And I'm like, Hermione, you're supposed to be like the intelligent one here, yeah. the logical one. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that they are 13 and yeah. 13 year olds have again, wild yeah. imaginations. 
Anyway, so everyone comes back and they're trying to convince Harry that he really didn't miss out on that much and they're <laughs> telling him about like all the things that they saw. And my favourite little detail is when they're talking about the post office, which I think is really quaint because why would you go on a school trip and be like, let's go to the post office? I, I would. I, I would. Like, there's 200 owls. They're all different sizes. You would love it because there's owls small enough to be in egg cartons. And they're colour-coded. Colour-coded yeah, owls? They're colour-coded by speed and I wrote in case you need to send a parcel to Egypt yay is this a competition of how many times we can bring up owls in this season <laughs> yes yes but it's like you get a first class or a second class stamp so you get you a first, first class, class or second class, 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 class owl. owl but also um, in terms of like speed do you think one of them just like takes a detour or like has too many rests or do you think one of them's actually like Mario think, Kart? You've got a better cart. Like no, I going think, I think they sl- I think they fly slower. Like they're smaller, so their wing speed and their wingspan is smaller. And also different types of owl. Yeah, because yeah. it says scop owls are for local deliveries only because they can only fly so far. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, so then they go to the Halloween feast, which always sounds so cool. I just want to go. They do, there's ghosts doing formation dancing. I know. Oh my ghosts. Thing is, something like. Hogwarts, this is applicable to all parts of every single novel. But, like, how are they not all obese? Oh, yeah. We talk yeah. about this all the time. We talked about this in the first book, I think, when we realised that not only their feasts, which feasts are fair enough, you can indulge every now yeah. and again, they are laid a three-course spread with hot food every meal. Yeah, I've just come back from holidays where, like, it was... All-inclusive. Yeah, so food, all as much food as you want. Yeah, and... I ate three full meals a day oh, yeah. and gained a lot of weight. They from that. say if you go on a cruise, you should bring a dress size up for your second week because that's how much weight you put on. From I should eating. have done that for my holidays. Yeah. I honestly could not go to Hogwarts. But I suppose, like, okay, so kids have very different metabolisms to True. us all in our mid 20s. Like, when I was a child, a teenager, I could literally eat anything I wanted and be like stick thin. And also, like, I know they don't do a lot of sport, and we've talked about that before. Like, apart from Quidditch, there is no sport options. Yeah. But the castle is fucking massive, and there's over a hundred staircases. So they're getting their 10,000 steps a day easy peasy. I mean, yeah, at 13, 14. But you know, when you kind of get to that puberty age, especially as the girls, mm. like, and your hips come in, and your boobs come in, like, you cannot have full breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. I mean, I like, don't know if they're expecting the kids to moderate themselves, so, like, know that they only need thing. to eat cereal, but it's quite difficult when you don't have parents there to advise you that maybe you shouldn't be eating f- bacon every breakfast. I mean, I just came back from holiday with my mum, and granted, I am a pseudo-adult. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be in my 50s and be like, I'm still not a real adult. No one's a real adult. But, it's all a pretense. Exactly. But also, there was no, like... Should you be eating that? It was all just like let's stuff ourselves. Every well, it's different day. on a holiday because and it's, if it's included. if it's if it's included, you have to eat it. That's Hogwarts. the rules. <laughs> so then they're leaving the Halloween feast, and there's a hold up in the corridor to the fat lady. Um, Percy runs up and tells people to go get Dumbledore. He's like, "Oh my god, go get Dumbledore!" and Dumbledore arrives, and they realise that the fat lady has disappeared from the portrait, and the canvas has been slashed like they can see the wood behind it this piece of canvas littering the floor and the chapter ends with peeves arriving and dropping the bombshell that it was Sirius Black that did this so I kind of find this a bit 
weird because we know in the end obviously Sirius Black is good we know Sirius we get to know him the next two books that's exactly the same point I have and he's a nice guy but in this moment he got angry enough to rip up a painting and also Sirius Black was a Gryffindor yeah he obviously he tried the password she said no and he like must have a relationship with the fat lady of some sort he does know her so yeah she says no but surely he knows ripping up the portrait of her is not going to give him entry i mean all i can think of is like sirius does have a bit of a temper and in this moment like he got so angry about the fact he'd come so close and couldn't complete it he just got mad and also he hasn't had any human interaction in years so he's finally speaking to someone and they're saying no to him so he just kind of flips which is understandable but it plays more into the narrative that sirius is a villain which obviously like is the misdirection we're being given than the eventual realization that sirius is good yeah yeah and i think also it's it's out of like frustration Mm. because the way that he sees it is Harry is in danger every second that Scabbers is yeah, in him. Yeah. And he's frustrated that like this little like portrait essentially is between him and saving Harry, yeah. which we know he basically sees as saving James. So I think it's like that frustration that he's like yeah. that close. But yeah, like I, I wrote down in my notes like she was his portrait. Yeah. And yeah. It must be kind of sad for him. Like I imagine he didn't feel good afterwards. I, I imagine he was angry in the moment. I just don't see any like indication in the following books, or the, even in this book, that he was an angry, violent person. No. He, like, so he, he's, he's more a grumpy person. Yeah. In book five, we learn when he gets upset, he gets grumpy. Like, stroppy. Yeah. Rather than, like, violent. Violent. So this yeah. just seems very, like, I understand how it fits in with the fear factor of Sirius Black and all yeah. that, but it just doesn't seem very Well, it's serious. the same way that later in later chapters he appears over a bed holding a knife <laughs> and it's like okay i love just like later and he's like i got the wrong bed and i'm like <laughs> you had a knife like a carpet like i understand he also doesn't have a wand at this point yeah. which do you not need a wand to transfigure when you're not when you're an animagus oh only when you're physically transfiguring yeah so it's just the films where Peter has to steal a wand to be able to transfigure into an animagus. Yeah. That's in the third film that he, he... Yeah, so he gets... He, like, has a moment of joy because he's able to pick a wand up from the floor and that's... He then, I thought like, that was just because he hasn't had a wand in 12 years. But then he couldn't one-off with it in rat form. I guess... But mm. I think wands must transfigure... But then I also wonder, because wands must transfigure into the animal, because, like... When Professor McGonagall changes in front of the class, presumably she keeps her clothes and her wand with her. It's not like they shed to the floor. Well, see, that's something that has always, like, puzzled me in terms of anime guys. So in, I think it's the next film, and Sirius comes to the train station to drop Harry off, and as Padfoot. Oh, and he wears the big coat. Well, he doesn't. He's naked. You see him re-emerge behind the frosted glass as a naked man as Harry's coming into the waiting room at King's Cross where Sirius is he's putting on this coat whereas McGonagall will go from cat to woman jumping off the desk like which obviously makes more sense because we see her in the books continuously change in front of people and it's not like she appears naked in front of Dumbledore and throws on a dressing Um, gown exactly and also when Scabbers reforms into Peter Pettigrew in the Shrieking Shack later in the book. He's not naked. That. He's fully clothed, but also Scabbers was not wearing um, a t-shirt and trousers. Do we know that, though? Do we know that they aren't naked? Do we know that all the teachers do, just don't teach naked? The no, teachers don't watch. teach naked. Do we know that? Yeah, but also, 
One, I think we know that. But do we know that? Well, if I'm going to be logical, how when we watch her go from, when we watch McGonagall go from the cat to McGonagall, she goes from cat to McGonagall fully dressed. But at no point in the books... They're not naked! They're not naked. There's no lube. They're not naked. (laughs) What I wanted to say is when Lupin is like chatting with Harry about oh, I didn't want you to fight the Boggart because I thought it would be Voldemort and all that. And Harry's like, well, actually, I was thinking of Dementor. And Lupin comes back and says, actually, that I think that means that you fear fear itself. And the Dementors at no point are described as being fearful. They're, J.K. Rowling's always said, they're a parallel to depression mm. and sadness. And even when Harry, during the Defence Against the Dark Arts lesson, is thinking, do I choose Voldemort? Do I choose the Dementors? The way that he's kind of thinking about them, he says in his head, obviously, like, oh, well, their physical features are scary, but at no point does he talk about kind of them being fearful in the way that they make him feel. He talks about coldness, but that again, that's more kind of sadness and depression. So that line just really confuses me from Lupin being like, you fear fear itself. And it's like, well, no, he fears the Dementors. He's talking about them in a very physical way. I don't know. I just... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether Lupin's saying that, like, the Dementors make Harry feel fear and therefore he fears fear. But you're right. Yeah, the Dementors that you feel... They make you relive your worst memories and your worst memories don't often cause fear. They cause sadness. And especially in Harry's case. Like, I think if he had fear in his past that he drew on when he was thinking about the Dementors... Yeah and be like, oh, this fearful time, and they make me feel like that. But he feels sadness, he feels coldness. It's yeah. something that J.K. Rowling brings up a lot in the way that Dementors make Harry feel specifically, which isn't fear. And the Dementors are never described as being fearful, like mm. the way they make you feel. It's always, and she, like I say, she said in interviews that they were a parallel to the depression she was feeling, the depression she was feeling mm. at the time. Yeah. Rather than any kind of fear. Yeah. And I don't know, for me, depression and fear are two very, very like, different things. different emotions. Maybe for some people they aren't that different. But I don't know, I just felt like it was kind of kind of a flippant line from Lupin. I mean, I suppose it's meant to have like a gravitas because it's like what you fear is fear itself and it's meant to like sound cool. Super deep. Yeah, yeah it's meant to like sound cool rather than like... Make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it just didn't, I don't know, for me it just didn't make sense. But also like sometimes teachers say stuff that's bullshit. Yeah, but Lupin's Lupin. Yeah. He's, he's bullshit, as we learn in book seven. Come again? Well, he he makes up. He he has one moment. I, no, he I just want to know what your bullshit moment is, because I'll probably agree with it when it happens. When he turns up at Grimald Place. And he's like, oh, fuck the baby! <laughs> he's a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's like, I want to relive my youth. Yeah. Let I me want just gallop that off with you guys. Yeah. He's mm. like, I want to do Trevor and the Tadpole from book three all over again. Oh, that was that was bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, and I also feel like, I don't know, he doesn't want to bring up to Harry like, oh, you're so sad. <laughs> and it's so sad. He's like, oh, that's clever. You fear fear. He's trying to break, big him up a bit in this moment. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, almost, I think it's like braver at that point to be like, you're scared of Voldemort and death. That's fine. That's fine, Harry. You're allowed to be scared of dying at 13 years old. Honestly, you're allowed to be scared of dying at 80 years old. You're good, babe. Whereas yeah, being yeah. like, 
you're scared of fear itself. And it's like, well, actually, that's not what he was saying. Can you listen to him, please? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the end of this chapter. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah, for joining. Have you got anything you'd so like much. to plug? Anywhere that people can find you if they want to find you? Oh, no. That's fine. They don't have to find you. Um, I just want to say thank you to you guys for having me on. Aww. Um, it was very lovely to be here. I've had a very lovely time. Um, if I find anything to plug in the future, I'll get Hannah and Charlie to plug it without my presence. Or you'll just have to hear from me again so I can plug it. We'll definitely get um, you in again. Great. It was really good. You're very, you, have, you have lots of knowledge. I would love that. That would be great. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To keep up with us in between episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod, on Instagram at Goblet of Wine Podcast, and on our website at www.gobletofwine.co.uk. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or on Facebook. Thank you so much to our producer-level patron, Sandra, for her help supporting this podcast. If you'd like to support us, as well as gaining access to behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes, check out our Patreon on patreon.com slash goblet of wine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.